podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's up? I'm Nick Lachey, and you're listening to Boys No More, presented by AAA Insurance. Visit AAA.com slash insurance to get a quote. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by Paddy James and Muff as we cover all things Celtic. It's been a good week on the park, domestically at least, with a confident 3-0 win over Livingston on Sunday. There was some frustration in Europe with that 1-1 draw with Shakhtar Donetsk at Celtic Park on Tuesday night, but still some positives to take away from that one. Paddy, get the ball rolling for today. I'm looking for your moment of the week in Celtic. What have you got? Um, just a moment of the week is the, the 90-minute performance for me from uh, Minich Jens. Um, <clears throat> just thought it was very steady uh, and just anything that kind of... Anything that kind of come over the top or anything that was trying to get um, played down in behind Taylor. Um, I just thought he was very, very quick on the cover. Um, I actually kind of noticed, probably after like, the first 20 minutes, Jens was making sure that Nubli was more his man other than what Carter Vickers was. And solely just down to height, I think. Carter Vickers, I, I, I'd imagine, would, would have held his own against him for the full game. But it just made a bit more sense that they, they freed Carter Vickers up instead of getting involved in any needless tussles. Uh, and I thought Jens handled it really, really well. So just more more of the same because we want a headache in that position. We don't want to just be clinging on to those two guys uh, week in, week out. So it was very, aye, very reassuring. Do you sign him at the end of his loan? Um, more performances like that and just kind of reassuring himself. I think he seems quite a confident character. Um, but I just think we've got to remember... Not a huge amount of football played for them last season. And I just think, obviously, it's like what I was saying with some of the players last season. It's finding that that motive and a winning side and a team that's going to win trophies. And, you know, maybe takes a couple of trophies to come in at Celtic that he realises, I should be here. And we start to see even more from him. I definitely think there's a good player there. Yeah, and I think he made no secret when he came in at first that he's seen this as a huge opportunity to be part of a big club I think what will be very interesting is when him and Carl Starfield, Carl Starfield are both fully fit and what Ange does mm. you're laughing at me if I can see you <laughs> in there. Um, so yeah he's he, you know overall certainly more than pass marks for his time at the club so far and it'll be interesting what we do James what about yourself what's your highlight of the week return of the Jota um, just you know his alertness his brightness his lovely hair on Sunday there showed you what you missed the last few games and we're getting no credit that we you know we'd really tough games in Europe without your captain without Jota without a, a mainstay last season Carl Starfield so to get one of the, those three back and looking like I mean he's, he's not back by half he's back back so uh, yeah that's the highlight for me he was very lively when he came on wasn't he he looked like he wanted to to make a big difference and, and show what we've been missing yeah, yeah, uh, you know, keen. I would say he was that, that was the word they would use for him coming on. He was he was keen to to make an impact in the short time he had in the game, and he did that, you know, on a couple of occasions. Yeah, definitely. Matt, what about yourself? What was the the highlight for you? Highlight for me was Jota's celebration uh, with uh, a couple of the senior members of the Celtic support. <laughs> uh, I just think it. I thought that last was at school, you know. Uh, well, possibly, possibly. Um, I just thought I just thought it was a really really lovely moment and. Um, Further reinforces the 
the the thought that Jota just gets it. He just mm. gets it. He's got it for the minute he's got here, and just further proof that sometimes players just fit clubs, and and I think he really, really is one of them, and hopefully he's ours for a for a long, long time because it's one thing being a good player. Um, there's been loads of them over the years, but not every player has 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 got it. Um, just what the club's about and the connection with the fans, I think he's he's really got that in abundance. And yeah, I, I just thought it was a really really lovely lovely moment just seeing that that joy, <laughs> three points secured, and uh, everybody up the road happy. Yeah, it was it was a great moment, and there's a couple of brilliant pictures of it too. Did you catch his interview with Greg Taylor as well when he was giving yeah, Taylor the man of the match? Oh, oh, you love that. Well yeah. worth a watch, but it just shows the the team spirit. Paddy, I'm sure he caught it and yep. the. The way they interact with, with each other, it shows that there's a, a pretty solid camaraderie within the dressing room. There's a real good team spirit. It's just that wee bit when he's walking away, mimicking him. Like, Charles. Charles, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> no, he, I agree with what Miff's saying. He's, he's, he's someone that has bought in to what the support are all about, not just the club. Um, and he just kind of, he just wants to do everything right for the team and just, just give his all. Um, a great, great addition to see back. And, you know, not a lot's really been said about obviously the games that he's missed, but he has a huge, huge miss in the team, and we've done really, really, relatively well with without him being there. And you wonder what could have been if he was in the starting eleven for some of the games. But great to have him back now, and good for this final be push before the, the the World Cup break. Definitely, I think the team will have some many targets set ahead of that break, and to have Jota back, I didn't realise it was five games he missed. Mm-hmm. So to have a guy like him back, Starfield nearly back and some other players finding their feet, is, it's all pretty positive, definitely on the, the domestic front at least. Before we move on to this week's big debate, just a quick reminder that you can catch our full match content with our in-depth pre- and post-match shows for every Celtic game over at the Celtic Exchange Plus. For more info on that and to get started, just visit the thecelticexchange.supercast.com. Subscribers to the Celtic Exchange Plus also enjoy early access to this weekly show before it's released to the general public each week, along with a number of other benefits. So check it all out at thecelticexchange.supercast.com and keep yourself up to speed with everything that's going on at Celtic. Lads, it's more myth for your money. Why would you not sign up for that? Uh, you'd, be, you'd be an idiot not to. Mad not to. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so today's debate is, is quite a big topic and... On that note, it's one we're going to split into two parts in order to, to get through it or, and to do it justice, I'd say. Thanks again to Mazar Yusuf from Edinburgh. You may remember Mazar from last week who, who put in the, the listener's question. We've been tu- in touch with him again on email this week and he's prompted this topic for today. So thanks again to Mazar, our correspondent from the East Coast. <laughs> it just sounds like we've got one subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mazar. Mazar, do us a favour. Eh? <laughs> Anyway, so thanks again for that. So it's a really good question and it's one that's well worth debating here. So, with news breaking that Celtic are set to sign 22-year-old Japanese centre-half Yuki Kobayashi from J-League side Vizel Kobe, I think that's uh, Kyogo's old side, in January, what areas does Celtic need to prioritise both on and off the park to take us to the next level? Just a further stat here as well. So the Livingston game was Ange's 50th league game as Celtic manager and he's picked up an impressive 126 out of 150 available points. So he's shown that he's in a good place in terms of the, the domestic game. So by next level, in terms of the, the key question, I think we'd really mean the European challenge that Celtic face and how we can kick on there. Muff, your initial response to that question. Good question. Uh, I would say everywhere. The, the simple fact being that I think everyone's had their moments in, in the Champions League. I would say in terms of overall consistency, maybe Carter, Vickers and Taylor, I would say would get, would get genuine every game pass marks. Outside of that, 
some players have played well for half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, but maybe haven't played well over, over the course of a full game. And from that, I, I would just say, I, I think we, you know, if, if we want to compete at that level, by compete, I mean get out of the groups. I, I, I think there's, you know, a striker that's got to take their chances at that level, being the most obvious one, because if, if we had that, we'd be through. Not that it was just the strikers that were guilty of that, because it was, you know, forward players, midfielders as well, that, that missed chances. But, it, it definitely seems to me as well we, we burn out after an hour as well and, and, and at that level if you're making substitutions that, that aren't strengthening the team it's not giving you a chance to chase the game in the last half an hour so other than possibly the Shakhtar game away I think that was the only game we've really finished strongly all the other games we sort of fizzled out them and, and, and conceded quite a glut of goals in the, in the last the last half hour of games so for, for me it, I, I don't think there is a, is a position other than maybe centre half and left back, that wouldn't be subject to a bit of additional quality being brought in. That that's just my my own personal feeling. However, please don't think that that is in any way a slight on on the players that we currently have. I I, I love this team probably more so than I have loved any team that when following Celtic. I just think there's a lot of character and personality in that team. I would love nothing more than is to sign, you know, a couple of players over the next 12 months and that team to be competitive at the Champions League having learned from this this campaign there is a distinct chance that that could happen player you mentioned earlier Moritz Jens barely played last season has come in been exposed to Champions League level fairly quickly I, I dare say that wouldn't have been part of the plan for Ange they would have preferred to have stuck with the tried and tested Vickers and Starfield so someone like Jens who's got this exposure if we take up the option in him he's going to be all the better for that next year someone like, like Greg Taylor who performed with massive credit Carter Vickers performed with massive credit with that campaign under their belt there's nothing stopping them for, for going on again so um, that, that that's just my, my, my genuine honest answer Yeah and all valid opinions and we'll get into some of the finer detail of the, maybe the, the personnel and the positions where we maybe feel we need to strengthen James do you get the vibe that Ange sets his targets much higher than just domestic success for Celtic? Absolutely um, you know he'll be um, well received back in Australia but he knows that when Celtic are playing in the Champions League, it's all eyes on Ange. So he knows that's getting covered back there. Whether he cares about that or not, I suppose, is, is up for debate itself. But yeah, absolutely. You know, he's the kind of guy that wants to test himself at the highest level in everything he does. So Europe is it, and it's Champions League. So I, I, I'm, the results have been poor, there's no denying that. But, you know, you can definitely see progress. I suppose the best way to look at it is how do our fans feel about Champions League versus competitors across the city kind of thing they know that's a dead team we know this is a work in progress it's passing on the stairs stuff you know so I'm happy with that I think you're right Miff there's no one that could be absolutely rock solid sure of the position bar the two that you mentioned they've been the consistent ones so it's getting the consistency out of these guys I really think you know there's a top class striker is required um, and I mean Celtic spending more than they've ever, ever spent on a striker anyway, and they can have 10-15 bracket that you have for you know two three years and you sell for 30-40 that's got to be a model for striker because with a killer striker in that team we're already through what is the record is it 9 million for Edward Aye. is that mm-hmm. it yep. 9 million selling for 40 that's ok isn't it yep. wouldn't mind that so I tell you what we'll do let's run through some of the the key areas of the squad the key positions and the personnel there and we can see where we think maybe the obvious improvements are maybe where we're actually ok for covering anything else in between. Paddy, we'll start with the goalies, so obviously we've got the very experienced Joe Hart there, 
with Benjamin Seacrest offering the backup, and maybe further down the track you've got uh, Oliver Yemi, the young goalie, who mixed reports whether he's going to pull through or not. So we'll need to see how that goes. I think he's only about nineteen. Do you feel there's improvement required in the, the goalie area? Um, I do, I do. I think uh, one of the things about Joe Hart is that he's definitely brought a stability. Um, but one thing he needs is stability in front of him. Um, I think we could see that in a lot of the games, um, especially without Carter Vickers. A lot of the games he was trying to take ownership of almost defending himself. Um, and, and what I mean by that is him and McGregor were very, very quick on the likes of Jens and very quick on the likes of Stephen Welsh that it probably led them into more mistakes than they've, they've made in their time at Celtic, more, more so hard. And I go back to the the pass out at, at the, the Leipzig game. Mm. That's coming. That pass is coming from just not being too confident in the front two. You, you have the players that you're meant to play out to. He's just not happy about it at all. We've seen it in some of the home games as well, that he just wasn't comfortable with, with the, the, the two in front of him. It's definitely calmed down just now. He's a tremendous goalkeeper when... You know, up, up against it, he's made some cracking saves for us this season. But I just generally think at that level, for the type of football that we're trying to play, again, we're talking about spending X amount of money on uh, a striker. We probably need to do the same for a goalkeeper, I think, just to, to make sure that we're kind of like shoring ourselves up at the back. The only thing that we have, the biggest issue is, is luring players that are going to want to come and play at our domestic level. And that's the only hard thing for, for finding a keeper that's going to be able to do that. They're very, very few and far between. It's quite a unique one, isn't it? And it's, I'm trying to think if Celtic have ever really spent money on a goalkeeper. You know, Boric came in after a loan spell, Foster was in and out. I can't think of Celtic spending dough on any keeper, ever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Oh, VB, VB. Pop it on I said goalkeeper. He, doesn't, he does not fall into that bracket. He um, he actually picked up another, I think they call it king of the game or whatever it is out in uh, the Netherlands. Who's he playing with? You tripped. Uh, you tripped. I think so. Somebody said in the group he's finally grew a set of arms. Uh, <laughs> and I think it was Pierre van Hooydonk's son that scored the, the winning goal against him. Is it Sydney or something? Anyway, gone very off-piste here. <laughs> You're right, Matt, we have spent money, my mistake, but badly. So do we need to go and spend a, a few quid to get not only a good goalkeeper, which Hart absolutely is, but a good ball-playing goalkeeper? It's just about being a ball playing goalkeeper. It's ticking all the, all the relevant boxes. I mean, to go back to Hart against Shakhtar, that save he made in the first half is huge, mm-hmm. huge save. Pivotal moment in the game comes out, makes himself big angles. You know, just experience. That's that's what you're getting in Hart. The downside is we're asking him to do something which Cole isn't natural to him. And then at the highest level, it's always likely that a mistake's going to come at that level, just the way that a team presses. That they know that that's a weakness and they, mm-hmm. they try and elicit that mistake from you. And it happened. And, you know, wasn't necessarily too happy with Hart's interview after the game where he shrugged off and said, well, that's who the manager wants me to play. Okay. Yes, he does, but he doesn't want you to kick it to the opposition 18 yards out. Fine, we move on. That said, I think that then shows you that is a case in point of the whole debate that we're having here is that if you want to get better then you need a, a keeper that's just got to be more comfortable taking the ball and if you go to all the best teams playing at that level they're, when they're being pressed their keepers take the ball in some really positions that would have me no too happy at all yeah. when I was Even at the Shikers game goalie. but mm-hmm. they, all, they all do it mm-hmm. and the reason is it's just the release valve for teams pressing you to let you get back up the park whether it's Alison Ederson or, or whoever else so Facts just tell you you need an upgrade in, in Joe Hart. But again, Joe Hart's in massive, massive credit with Celtic fans. I don't think MD can, can grumble his his contribution to, to Celtic will be noted for many years to come just because 
of how he galvanised the team when, when he first came in. And I think he's still got a couple of years left. You know, I don't, I don't think he's a, he's a right off by any means. Seagrass an interesting one because he, you know he's untapped potential. We don't really know what we've got there. He's, he's been a solid keeper in the SPL. He could go on to become that that Champions League keeper. But I would doubt in terms of distribution, he's going to be that man because he looks a wee bit awkward with the ball at his feet. Um, so interesting, interesting to to see what we would go. But definitely an upgrade required, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I'll take us back to the question: What areas does Celtic need to prioritise? to take us to the next level and I suppose we've talked it through we're not currently good enough in the goalkeeping position to go to that next level is that fair? I, I think it's fair um, kind of on the, the main question itself I don't think it's I know you're saying like everywhere bar maybe like uh, Carter Vickers or, or, um, or Greg Taylor and I, and I agree with you on that it's only maybe three or four big players I think required and that'll accommodate some of the ones that we have at the moment I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like passes that, that, that could have been made, should have been made, and a lot of great movement off the ball from this team. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe just been that level up. I know we've lost a player that brings the ball out in Callum McGregor. We've lost that at the moment. And, and I have to say, Adam Moy is coming in and putting in performances, but it's the it's the grade above that we need. It's replacing a Rogic, because I still don't think that Matt O'Reilly is, is the, the job there in that as well. So I don't think it's a case of going out and, and, and trying to replace the full team. Not not in the slightest. I really enjoy watching this team when it's on, when they're on form. It's, it's brilliant to watch. I think it's maybe two or three big players to come into the spine of it. I'm with you on that because I think if you if you had those two or three key players against Madrid, against Shakhtar, against Leipzig, you could have picked up a number of points there. You could have you know turned draws into wins or defeats into draws or whatever it might be. And I think bringing players in of, of known quality as well, it lifts everything else around it. So, you know, the the players who are maybe kind of nearly at that level, they get that boost as well. And to Miff's point, you've got guys, whether it's Maurice Jens or, or anybody else who's now played in these five games, and they'll go to the Bernabeu this week as well, who will learn from that. And you, there's no doubt you'll improve as a player and you'll make sure that you improve as a player for those experiences. So you've got a lot of moving parts there which which overall is a positive I mean to move on from, from the goalkeepers so we, we think we've agreed by and large there's maybe an improvement there if we want to kick on defenders wise you've highlighted Carter Vickers and Taylor are both doing well and, and doing their job my main question would be are we still light at centre half and it would look like Ange agrees with that if he's out shopping for, for this young Japanese lad yeah if, again we've said it before we'd love Welsh to develop into the, the player it's not looking that likely. He's had opportunities, bit stop start opportunities, but opportunities nonetheless, and he's not blowing us away. Um, so as I'm saying, basically, if, if my four, and I want four centre-halves, uh, three of them I'm pretty happy with, and I want that fourth one, because I don't think he's looking to sign this guy and not also sign Jens. I think Jens is, is very much going to be signed by the end of the season. So I, I suppose he is suggesting that he needs cover there. You're not going to have five centre-halves, so... Does it, does it say, unfortunately, that's in the road for Welsh? be very sad, but, you know, football's a harsh game. Mm. I, I don't know much about Kobayashi in terms of what kind of defender he is. I've not read the articles yet. I don't know if you lads have. Is he a, is left, he a ball player? Left, left he a, but a ball player or just a, yeah. a winning yeah. defender? I did read that his first goal in professional football was set up by Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh. <laughs> Seen something about that. Yeah. So. Come off his back. That was, hey, <laughs> I did. I did. Goal, goals a goal, James. They'll count. He meant it. Um, <laughs> you know, so that might leave us with a Carter Vickers, maybe Maurice Jens, maybe Kobayashi at the centre of defence. 
Is there something else have we got in half? Starfield. I'm missing Starfield. Too many names in my head here. So you'd be pretty well covered in the centre of defence. We know Taylor's doing a job. We think Bernabe's going to kick on. Are we light on the right hand side? When Juranovic goes, will be. I think it'll be good in the summer. I think he might be away. I think he might even go earlier. Aye, yeah, maybe. Aye, I think his head's somewhere over that way. Um, I definitely think that we still need a, another right back. Yes. Um, I, I think what we have at the moment, if we were to keep it a season, would be absolutely fine, considering there's obviously no European football. But we should be a team, and with the looks of it, this is what we're hoping to be, a team that's getting these players in in January to be ready for next season. And this is a question, because I think we all agree that we're solid enough domestically and we've got a squad right there, right now, that can go and pick up the treble, as James has predicted, or, or at least go and retain the league title. But it's that next level that we're talking about and, and how we can kick on. Midfield-wise, obviously, we've been without McGregor uh, for a time there and we've handled that fairly well, uh, at least domestically. We've got a whole glut of midfielders there, so Callum McGregor, Matt O'Reilly, Rio Hitati, David Turnbull, Aaron Moy, Abelgard, James McCarthy, Adiguchi. A lot of bodies there and some of those guys aren't featuring much at all right now. You made the point, Paddy. Do you think we miss a, a creative number 10 type in there? Rogic or otherwise? 100%. Um, for me, you look at the, the signing of three of those players. Obviously, two of them brought in on free like uh, free transfer. Idiguchi's been brought in and unfortunately for, for him, it's just not worked out with, with the injuries he's had. But the, the McCarthy signing, the Moy signing is in the basis that we'll take the risk and see if it works. We'll see if it pays off and see what we can do. I have to say, I think Moy has really, really impressed me in the sense that you know he's just getting the head down. But whether it, whether that's for Kamazar's question for the level for stepping up, well, no, no, no there's no chance. No, no, no the 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 thing is, what we've seen against that game against Leipzig was the guy Schlager going into the tackle with McGregor and McGregor bounced off him, bounced off him, and what what I'm meaning by that is that basically McGregor's our best player. And he, and he is he's, for me he's probably the best player in the league for the experience he's got for what he brings what I'm saying is, is that we're coming up against really really strong midfields and our midfield with McGregor in it as well is not at the level required to go and do anything in Europe in my opinion they're fine domestically absolutely I don't see me personally I don't see the likes of O'Reilly kicking on to, to, to a next level um, however having said that I think he's been very comfortable in coming back but that's not where he wants to play and I just don't think he's he's better than what Rogic was yeah, in that, that attacking It's position. interesting. That's, that's been a long-held opinion of yours, Paddy. You've mm-hmm. kind of held on to that. And I, I don't know where you guys are. And I, I think O'Reilly's at, at, at 21 years of age. I think he's got lots of room for improvement. And we'll see how he kicks on. And he might fill out physically. But I, I get your main point. I think we do lack physicality. Who is our midfield enforcer? You know, and I know that's not how Ange plays. But now and then, games go that way. And particularly in Europe, you've got guys that technically are very good but they're also big, powerful athletes. And you look across your midfield, who's the who's the ticket in there? Well, you would have assumed Avogard was getting Six, four, signed eh? for that, but you need to be on the park to be an enforcer. You can enforce for the subs bench if you want, but you've got to look a bit stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Ange likes to kind of take his time and, and bleed people in, but I think there's been ample opportunities for him to start games, and he hasn't. Moy... Moy will do domestically but he won't do in Europe I think, that's, I that's, think he would just about do domestically that's, see just in terms of Ange plays it's not, not fast enough it, it, even domestically he doesn't move move the ball yeah. quick enough mm-hmm. you know but at times though when the game gets stretched he actually becomes a really good asset because he, he tends it. to hold on to the yeah. ball and, and, and sometimes with our midfield 
O'Reilly in particular try, try to play things maybe a wee bit too quickly mm. at, at times when a, a bit of experience tells you you know when to hold on to it so hold on to it sorry um, O'Reilly I think still has a chance to, to kick on again I don't I, I think he can I think he can go to a level above where he's playing um, I take Paddy's point in the sense that he he looks like he'll be limited because of his his pace uh, I don't he's not got explosive pace he's 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 okay but I think in terms of covering the ground probably what you're looking for at that level maybe just lacking a wee bit but he's so technically good that I, th- I think there's another level in him personally naturally when, when someone is so good looking you just want to give them a chance it's just human nature when you see somebody so beautiful you just want them to do well and and he is beautiful so what you're saying is and this is a joke from one of my pals if he looked like Willow Flood he'd be out the door oh, poor Willow <laughs> <laughs> no offence Willow there goes any chance of getting him on the show Paddy ah, to, well. to regale us with his stories although I think that is absolute fact um, <laughs> all that aside James should any of the current crop be moved on so whether it's Adiguchi not working out James McCarthy picking up decent money but not featuring a lot uh, David Turnbull who I know you'd have on the first bus out we're going to make signings in January, we know that. We're going to make more signings in the summer, we know that. You're going to end up with a pretty stupid looking squad, you know, with 30 guys that all think they're going to start on Saturday. And that just can't happen, kind of thing. So, if we look at the kind of who was the the second stringers last season, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And we've definitely stepped up in quality, but it's not quite there yet. So, I think it will be a bit of sign four guys, move four guys. There's no harm to any of those players, but the the guys that I would say aren't fitting are the guys that aren't fast enough. It's just we play a fast brand of football. Turnbull, Moy, McCarthy don't. Simple as that. I think Turnbull would be a great fit in an Italian league, an Italian Italian team. Technical. Yeah, they've got more, a league in more, it. <laughs> more, more. You could play that one over there. More thoughtful, you know, kind of football, time on the ball and stuff like that. I just don't think it fits for for what Ange likes to play. I think more recently, just in terms of Turnbull, he's been quite impactful when he's come on, um, which has surprised me a wee bit. He, did he did seem, you hear my big compliment yesterday? He seems, he seems to have. I've only listened to the first ten minutes. Sorry, James. Um, he seems to have a wee bit of hunger about him. I, I know what you're saying. I think over the, the the next eighteen months, he probably will leave. I think that's fair to say. But I do, I do think he seems to have a wee bit about him now. Maybe not enough for him to be a regular starter, but. One thing I will say is Ange clearly likes him because mm-hmm. he gets him in every time. There's a player there, a hundred percent. There's a player there, but what it is is uh, for me, I, I just think he's worried about injuring himself, and it's a horrible situation for a player to be in. But we can't wait on that getting over that. Do you know what I mean? I think there's, he's a technically very gifted. I just want to see more confidence from him. I, th- I think Turnbull and O'Reilly both kind of fit the same categories. You just want to see them push through. Yeah. I think there's just that extra they can give. I'd just like to see that I think a lot of us think that And Surely they've got the right man In Ange Postacoglu To try and get the best from them I'd love to see Turnbull stay For several years He's a young Talented Scottish player And I think there's so much More to come from him Maybe he does still have his injury At the back of his head Paddy It was a Bad bad injury And a year out of the game For such a young guy He Rediscovered some form In his Kind of breakthrough year At Celtic Under Neil Lennon And chipped in With plenty of goals then And he's maybe fallen away since Maybe that's just A, a part of being a young guy who's Who's suffered such an injury I'd like to think and hope that Ange can get the best out of him, get the best out of O'Reilly and maybe one or two others that we've mentioned will fall away but it's really, I'd be loath to see a talent like that leave the club. It kind of goes back onto the discussion of last week though, isn't, doesn't it? Like how long do we give these players? This, this is the this is the big thing because we're, we're going into European campaigns and we're like looking at the team and what they've done domestically and we're thinking, you know, we generally had 
beliefs that we had a chance of qualifying for that group there and rightly so we weren't far off the mark it generally was toe-to-toe for most of the games and I'm pretty sure tomorrow night will be no different but what are we missing what's this killer edge that we need that's that's better players simple as that yeah. I, I think a lot of it is to think it was your other point about the, the subs on the 60 minutes mm-hmm. so if I'm bringing Haksabanovic off I want a Haksabanovic level player coming on yeah. and we've not really been getting that a lot of subs have been the Turnbull Moy and it changes the game and in a different direction, you know, that can be good when you're looking to control and, and slow the game down. But I think this, the signings we need are the ones that are going to be the same level of guys you're subbing off. So that kind of we're already at the stage where if it was Aksabanovic, Abada, Jota, you're happy with kind of any of that kind of playing Abada, maybe slightly less so. Jack and Marcus Kugel, happy with that. We're not there, you know, in, in a lot of other positions, and I think that's where we need to show up. Fair enough. Um, Paddy asked how long we should give players. The answer is three years, one month. The Greg Taylor model has proven that. So <laughs> three years, one month to get accepted and, and make your mark. I suppose, again, just to you know, defend the position for some of these guys is that we know Ange can improve players. And listen, these are pivotal times for David Turnbull. You know, I'm sure him and the club are sitting talking about what the next steps are. And he'll need to prove it this season. Otherwise, Ange will move him on. But Ange has also shown that guys who are willing you know, whether it's Taylor or Ralston being the biggest examples, if you're willing to embrace everything he, he does and everything he shows and everything he teaches, then you will become a better player. So, I, personally speaking, I'm keen to watch the Turnbull situation closely because I really like him. I think he's a real talent. But I can understand some of the frustrations because we can all see there's maybe just a wee bit more in him and we've not quite been able to get it out of him just yet, Muff. Absolutely. I, th- I think initially there was a bit of a clash between Ange and Turnbull because of how they, they viewed the game and how... Ange wanted, wanted them to play versus how Turnbull measured himself. I think he, used, he said something quite early doors about him measuring himself in goals and assists, whereas Ange is about performance, as mm. we know. Perform at the level he wants and then that impact will naturally come because you'll be able to influence games more. So I, I do think I do think Ange rates him. I, ju- I just, I would, I would lo- I'd love Turnbull just to be a mainstay in the team. Uh, I really like him. Good lad. Motherwell boy as well, so... Aye, one day you've got to figure it <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving further up the park So, again, we've got a number of wingers at the club Talented guys at that Jota, Haksabanovic, Abada, Dyson Maeda, James Forrest And you think I'm not going to mention Mikey Johnson Who is tearing it up over in Portugal um, There's talented guys there, Miff So, do the guys in place just now, are they, are they enough? James has mentioned, but we've got a wee bit of like for like with Jota, Haksabanovic, Abada, Maeda, talented guys, Forrest shown his worth you know, in recent weeks. Do you think we need to add there? Abada gets a slight pass because he, he's continually improving. He he is very much a work in progress in front of our very eyes. We see the good, the bad and the indifferent with Abada every week, um, sometimes in the space of two minutes. <laughs> um, you know, he's put a cross out the park, he's done the five-step overs and, you know, the boys just took the ball off him and then he scored. Mm-hmm. And that that's very much in a badder two minutes, you know, it, it, it happens. Uh, the goal against Shakhtar doesn't happen if he doesn't do his patented run off the back post. You know, he's getting there and disrupted two centre halves and it's fairly fairly Jackie Marcus. Abada's just I think he's just one of those players that's worth bearing with. Right. However, to be successful you, you, we will need ready made players for the level. I think Jota is that, however, hasn't really shown that. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he's been a bit of an early man in this Champions League campaign because at Shakhtar he's one bit of sunken turf away from 
putting his two one up, the, the turf just collapsed for him as he went to hit the ball with his right right foot. He's, he's slipped as he's hit it, and he, he's ended up. It's been about a team shot in the end, but he, he was he was he's going to bury it. You know, he's going to bury the chance, and he's just, he's just slipped as he's hit it. Um, you know that goes in. Changes things. He's a man that scored in Leipzig as well. I, I just Jota is just a special player for me. Maeda, we know we know Maeda's got got his limits. However, he's also got massive plus points in the way that he plays the game and the way that Ange wants to play the game. But if you're being brutal, you, you probably need you need another Jota type winger to 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 go to that level. Haksabanovic, I have to say, looks looks excellent. I, I think Haksabanovic and potentially Kyogo. I like I like both of them playing playing quite central and behind the striker. I thought Kyogo showed great um, potential in there trying passes that no else in the team tries right right off the bat. May I add as well. Mm. Um, and Haksabanovic again. I know it was maybe only in a game against St Johnson. No disrespect to St Johnson, of course. Um, where he, he showed up really well playing in that position, but I don't think he's played there since. He's been off the left no. or the right yeah. every game since. Where yeah. I thought. Absolutely, that was something worth persevering with. You talk about, um, to kick on, we maybe need to sign these, I've quoted the phrase that you've used, ready-made players. I don't think Celtic can sign ready-made players nowadays in the modern game. I think when they get to 23, 24 and they've proven that they're that type of talent. For example, uh, a guy like Mudrick who's played against us for Shakhtar, an absolute superstar, we couldn't get near him. We just could not compete with anything like that. And I think what we need to do is sign players like Jota, who's now blossoming into what that is, but there's had to be some you know, creative recruitment to find a guy who at the time was 22, 23, had flirted with you know, top-level European football and hadn't quite made it and had a bit of hunger about him. And that's where we need to shop. And with those kind of guys, James, there's no, there's no guarantees with them. You're going to have some hits and some misses. No, and that's what we're getting. You know, and that, that is, you know, and Abad is probably the, the, the perfect model of that kind of signing. Signing a young guy when he's 19... You know, he's not you know, got a lot of experience and stuff, but there's some rawness that we can, you know, we can shape there. And I think we're going to be, you know, a, a strong player. I think Abada might feature quite strongly in um, when we start to sell on players. I think he's the kind of guy who catches a lot of, you know, um, eyeballs. And you can sell a guy like on for good money, then take that money and buy two of those guys at 19 and see where, you know, how they, they both develop. I think you're right. You know, we're not going to sign Woodricks, but the and the team will be working out that guy's got the potential to hit Mudrick Heights that guy hasn't but we could get 10 million for him and it'll be decisions like that that need to come into play Yeah I think that's interesting because Abada's stats alone will have him flagging up on all sorts of scouting systems across Europe and I think Celtic will have to they'll be tested you know, yeah. in terms of some, some big bids coming in you know potentially this summer um, Further up the park essentially you know, striker wise Celtic have only got Kyogo Furuhashi and Georges Giacomakis two talented guys Two big fans' favourites. But a couple of guys, it's fair to say they've, they've missed some big chances on the biggest stage, Paddy. It's, I think we all know the answer, but we do need a, a good third option there, don't we? 100%. And not someone that's going to play back up to them as well. Someone that's just going to keep these guys on their toes. Um, I get there's a lot of chat of, like, you know, who's your, your first choice striker. Celtic don't have that at the moment. We've got two strikers that are, are rotating, and they're rotating really well domestically. Um, good, to see, great finish from Kyogo at the weekend, um, and just that's what he's capable of when the pressure's off. Um, and I think that what we're seeing here, both of them are twenty seven, twenty eight, is the reason they've 
maybe only kind of came to the, the fore and our attention. I, I hadn't heard of either of them um, before they came and joined for Celtic. Maybe the reason why they're, they're only kind of coming to our attention now is because, you know, that, that clinical edge when the pressure is on has just not been there in their careers. Not to say that they can't learn that. Obviously, I think they're coming into great, great years, especially as strikers, that we're going to, we're going to get some good years out of them. Um, so they're definitely part of the team for me. Do we look for an upgrade? I'm with James on this. I think you go and spend 10 or 15 million pounds on someone that's, you know, 21, 22, starting to make a, an impression in Europe. I'm Udrik. We're not going to get someone like him. He's He's been looked at for the last two two or three years. Apparently, Arsenal have been sniffing around him. They knocked back 35 million from him this <laughs> summer. Because they can afford to do it. And we, we forget that about Shakhtar, by the way. You know, like, I think a team we've seen in the first game was a team that hadn't really had a pre-season considering the circumstances. And I think by that game last week, you could see that, you know, they were finding their feet and yeah. their back, their back four and their keeper were comfy, very comfortable, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a team that's qualifying for the last 16 most seasons. Mm -hmm. They can do that. We, we can't, we, we need to, we need to look at players that are going to come in and, and yeah, hit the ground running. And it's, this is where your scouting comes in. This is what we need to make sure is right. Yeah, and we'll move on to that very shortly, Paddy. I've just to round up the chat in terms of the on-field stuff then. Do you feel that, you know, based on the various positions and you know, personnel that we've spoken of there, that we're Celtic to break the bank at the top end of the park up front and get a real quality striker in, not just to compete, as Paddy says, but to be the man and maybe a similar level of goalkeeper, you know, break the bank again. Why not spend the money on a goalkeeper if it's, as we know, how important it can be in the modern game? Do you think if we were to you know, make such moves, then, you know, we could find ourselves in a really solid position getting into next week's, next year's Champions League. Yeah, I think, look, looking ahead, you know, without jumping the gun, on the assumption we win, win the league, I think if the same team goes in again next year, it'll, it'll give it a good go. You know, there's no doubt about that. But I think it would be foolish not to learn the lessons that we've been taught this year. The lessons are that we've conceded soft goals, we've faded out of games and we've not taken our chances. What you got to do to address that? Yeah, and, and I think personnel is the the easy answer and the obvious answer. And good to see that we're looking at guys already. And we'll get to this as part of this next section in terms of the some of the stuff the club are doing off the park. But Kobayashi might be the first of many names that get thrown around, and hopefully we make some of those key signings in January and beyond. So there's three key areas I'd like to look at off the park, and I suppose this kind of breaks up the question. We've done all the on park stuff. This is now off the field. Sports science, scouting and recruitment, and finally the CEO. Three huge areas, you know, very important areas at the club and areas we've seen pretty notable change in recent times. So starting with sports science, Anton McElhone, he was appointed a year ago in October 21 as head of the sports science department. He'd spent around 10 years at Spurs, I believe, and also had spells in the MLS, Bradford City and Greenock Morton. Muff. A biggie. Um, quote here from Ange at the time. So he says, We brought in Anton in terms of our sports science and he's been brilliant since he came in. Not just with what he's able to input, but also helping the existing staff because we've been a man or two short in that area. There are other areas we're looking to bolster, particularly in terms of scouting and recruitment. It's not about replacing people and it's certainly not about me bringing people in I've worked with in the past. I've always tried to bring in the best people possible, irrespective of their backgrounds or whether I've worked with them or not. Because when you go, do go down that track, you're limiting yourself. We'll cast the net far and wide. We'll get the best people in. We need to bring in more people to bolster the existing structure. And I think that was a clear indication, James, at that time. Ange himself wasn't long in the door, but he's seen that there were gaps in, in various areas behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, 
A lot of what we're dealing with at Celtic is the kind of parsimony of law going back years and years. Why would I sign two guys for the back room when I've got a manager who can just do that job? And it's not possible. Ange covers so much mm-hmm. that he shouldn't be covering. You know, obviously we're bringing guys in to take jobs off him. But this is years and years in the making at Celtic and it's why maybe come on to youth development. It's why nothing's happening in that department as well. So um, I think I just came in and went, who's your sports science guy? I haven't got one of them. You know, just so he's had to go and start building that team and good that we're starting to, to see players come in. I think what it gives them, I think there's a point on Abelgard why we're not seeing him. The sports science guys will be getting all the measures and all the kind of stats from training on him and say, yeah, he's not going to finish games yet. He's he's, he's at this level and he needs to be at that level. That, that'll that be backed up with data that we now have compared to a year ago or a year and a half ago we didn't. Yeah. I'm after the word parsimony making its debut on the show tonight. How do you feel about it? Uh, thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, James, to your point there, so Ange has also stressed that he now has access to so much data that, that we just don't and cannot see as, as supporters of the club. And that helps him in terms of the, the selection and the rotation and the decisions he makes amongst a you know a busy fixture list. And I suppose that's got to come down to McElhone and his team. We suffered badly last year with a lot of soft tissue injuries to the likes of Jota, Kyogo, David Turnbull and a few others. And I think we've definitely seen a lot less of that this time around. Um, that, you know, this very moment in time, Callum McGregor is the only first team player currently out injured. Everyone's back in full training. And that was a knock, you know, obviously took, you know, a big impact in the the Leipzig game. So, I mean, Miff, would you say that there's obvious improvements in that area? I, you know, I just interject a wee bit. They're playing less football, the guys. You know, they're, they're better rotated than they were last year, so mm. that's a part of it as well. Sorry, uh, Miff. Yeah, all part of the, the bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, I think there's just a wider point here that you've already touched on with regards to the, the neglect that these areas seen over, over the years. And it felt, I, can, I still recall the podcast we did, Towards the end of Lennon's tenure, and it just felt we, we just weren't a progressive club at all. I think we Angie at the helm, you feel like a progressive club. You feel the, the club is a very modern and moving in the the right direction with regards to sports science, the structure that's going on behind the scenes. I'm having a night where I'm punching my mic again. Sorry, yeah. it happens every every four or five weeks. It's in my box. We'll get animated. In my box. We'll get through it. Um, thanks, guys. Cheers. I appreciate the support. Um, so. I, I think the, the the key point here is that if Ange feels he has more data now than he had a year ago, then that should make us happy because that's what he's wanted and what he's needed. I, my biggest concern about Celtic in the future is that God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Don't say it. You know, you know, <laughs> what's coming, right? <laughs> that day will come. It will come, and. My hope is that everything... Do you want to tell the listeners what you're talking about? Just so Angel, even he'll, oh. he'll go, he'll go, right? He will, he will one day. Hopefully he does now, by the way. But it's just all those things being in place behind the scenes so that it's, you know, somebody coming in. Obviously they'll, they'll have their own... They'll have their own ideas and probably have their own people that they want to get in. But the structure behind the first team squad is in place so that it's plug and play in terms of the individuals that come in. So yeah. whether by luck or design we've, we have avoided that Brendan Rodgers situation you know we, we didn't have the structure there before Ange but we've been letting Ange build that not as his guys but as Celtics guys so you know it's, it's a wee bit left out yep. so if and when <sighs> God forbid I know I, I'm sorry I'm it sorry. should be easier to I'm step into I'm kind of hoping Ange does a willy Mayley and hangs around for 50 odd years yeah. <laughs> that would be nice that would be yeah. nice keeps things ticking over Paddy a question for you um, sports science obviously plays a huge part in you know recovery and, and the general fitness and well-being of the players 
Do you think the, the players seem fitter this time around? And, and just an extension of that question, a lot of people have talked about it, and Miff, you've mentioned it, about us flagging at 60 minutes. But is that just the way Ange plays? You know, if, if you played in a, dare I say, a more regular system, these guys could probably see out the 90 minutes, but, you know, such as the high intensity of Ange's system and the pressing and, and everything that's involved. Do you think they're fit to a point, you know, they can maybe last 60 minutes of that and that's why Ange does what he does, frequently makes the three, four and five subs at that, around about that time of the game. Do you think they're fitter in general than what they were? I do, I do. I think um, kind of what we've, we've seen in some of the games where they start to lag, that also kind of gets showed up with just kind of what James was saying, some of the players that are coming on, the personnel that's maybe just a bit more safer on the ball, isn't playing the more quicker attacking and free-flowing football that Ange likes to play. So it almost kind of looks as if they're slowing it down for the rest of the guys that are on there, in a sense. Um, but I definitely think the team are a lot fitter. I think, you know, we're still going to the final minute to, to go and get some some of the victories this season. And that is, this is with huge squad rotation as well. Um, that, that's going to play a massive part. But also, for some of these guys, this kind of routine of being at a certain level, playing at this high tempo that we play every single week, will be new to them. Um, so that that maybe takes six mon- months to get used to. Mm-hmm. Maybe takes a year to get used to. I think Abogard is is one of the, the the best examples on that. Still not a lot of game time. I definitely think he should have played more. It's not really for me to say though. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is that the data is probably telling Ange why he shouldn't shouldn't play certain guys, whether it's Abogard or others. <clears throat> the big call at the weekend was for Jack and Marcus to start. Everyone banging the drum, the physical aspect, the plastic pitch, you name it. But there was also a suggestion that he was flagging a wee bit after the Leipzig game. He was holding his hamstring towards the end of the game. Not necessarily an injury, but maybe just fatigued. And I'm sure the data plays out, you know, and it, and it lets you see that, man, do you know what, Ange? He's a wee bit less than optimal for this game. And there's so much that goes into Ange's decision. It's not just on paper. You're not, you're not playing championship manager here and just, you know, moving the marker around and saying, we'll go with this guy. And I think we've got to trust the data and trust Ange. I, th- I think he was spot on with playing Kyogo. I know obviously it's easy to say when he scored, but perfect example. If you're looking at other types of data, that part was wet. It's mm, never, fast. it's never wet. It was fast, yeah. and you know, the the ball is played into him. He takes one touch away for the defender goal. You know, and that that bright spark, that quickness from Kyogo is maybe something that you don't get with Jack and Marcus. He maybe takes an extra touch. Um, whereas the physical battle I get where everyone's coming from but we didn't need to do that yeah. on Saturday at all it's Sunday a, sorry it was a very smart call and you know nine minutes in and it's a completely different picture moving on from sports science to, to scouting and recruitment so Celtic announced at the start of May that Mark Lawwell would be coming in as head of scouting and recruitment following close to 10 years in a similar role with the City Football Group for anyone not familiar with the City Group that covers the likes of Man City New York Melbourne and Angie's old club Yokohama Marinos and Ange says that he had a, a solid working relationship with Mark Lowell during his time there. And it seems very much that, you know, Mark and Peter Lowell and the connections at that time were key to Ange coming to Celtic. Miff, I know you like a quote from Ange, so I'm going to give you another one here. Don't make me laugh. Uh, he said, I was very keen for Mark to join the club and clearly I'm delighted that he's accepted this important role and that we've been able to bring him to Celtic. Mark is someone who I worked closely with throughout my four years at Marinos, through which time we developed great trust and an excellent working relationship. He knows the way I like to work, the way my teams play and the particular player profiles which this requires. I know he'll be a great addition to our team, leading our first team scouting and recruitment function and delivering on our key objective of identifying and bringing exciting, talented players to the club. Miffy's obviously son of Peter Lobel. Uh, some will care about this, some won't, but purely in terms of his CV, it would seem to be a very good appointment for the club, wouldn't it? 
I think it's a very simple thing for me If Ange wants him It'll do for me You know Whether he's got a pink Gantt shirt or no I don't really care um, it's, it's really just down to the fact that He's worked with Ange before He's identified the types of players That Ange feels he can work with That That's the template we want There will be Cynicism because of the The, the obvious connection But Ten years at the City Group And You know I can only assume he's doing something right Because I Don't think they would have put up him for very long if he hadn't been bringing the type of player that they needed in to put through their almost their factory as it is at different levels of the game in America and Frank Troy and France as well yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry Clare there's also the environments he's been in what he's picked up from others and the structures and all that kind of stuff contacts that will yeah. have you know all, all those different things so seems a good fit to me he, he's been at the elite level and, and excellence is just a, a standard at these kind of places James so that, that can't be a bad thing we've not heard much from him at all I, I believe he was serving out quite an extended notice period I presume he's now in the building but you know we've not really heard a thing at all not that the head of recruitment generally comes out and does interviews just to say hi I'm here kind of thing Maybe but should. Um, but you would expect there's a lot of work going on in the background just now wouldn't you we'll, we'll see it in January you know I think that'll be the first uh, the f- first fruits of the his labour um, and by all accounts you know, he knows exactly what he's doing so it's you know for how many years have we just been at it you know what I mean just playing at it and, and now this is structured organised progressive to your party mm-hmm. in the final throws of the, the Rogers era um, us signing Shved unknown to Rogers yeah. you know that was a a damning indictment on the way the club was being run and and you know I know we're, we're all we've all got opinions on, on Rogers but he'd obviously had enough of just that type of thing yeah so the fact that we're so far removed for that now again it's just like the the debate about the, the quality of the squad in the Champions League are you learning the lessons that you know history's thrown up to you and, and in this occasion it appears that we are we, we can't be letting things like that happen again yeah I think so and I think what we often seen whether it was Rogers Lennon's time, Ronnie Dyla's, you name it. Some of the players that that Celtic took on board at these times are incredible, and you know we've not got enough time to get through the list of failures. Brendan Rodgers' signings were horrific, but and I don't. If they were his, I, I was going to yeah. say I don't hugely blame Bre- Brendan Rodgers for them. If it was, you take him or you take nothing. You take him, whoever he may be. But there was so many poor signings, and that was a that was a long term thing at the club. You know that's something that's happened for a long time, and all of a sudden Ange comes in, he signed a lot of a lot of bodies and. Some won't be successful, but by and large, his strike rate's very impressive, Paddy. Whether we want to admit this or not, we we down literally we down tools because we knew domestically we were gonna we were gonna run away with the league over the last over the last uh, nine nine seasons that we've we done nine in a row. I think that obviously that Scottish Cup semi final um, back in two thousand and sixteen was an eye opener that you know. Let's flex the muscle a little bit. It wasn't the full way, it, mm-hmm. and it re- you know you see the state of things. Um, it was left to rot almost for those seasons, in my opinion. You know the the leagues were guaranteed. The players, the level, like the caliber of players were coming in were enough domestically and only enough. I mean, I, I look at Kazim Richards, Carlton Cole, Big Z. for ex- for example. Players like that coming in were just enough just to to see us through with what we were doing, and. It left, you know, it caught us out. It caught us out when we wanted to go and, and win 10 in a row. I hope that under this new leadership and under this new structure, that can't happen again. Not that it doesn't happen again, it can't. 
um, especially in this modern day of football. And I just think that they they really learn from the lessons there. And yeah, and and here's hoping it just continues in the right way. Yeah, and what I'd say is it was obviously painful not to do the ten. That was a hell of a season, and you know, tough for all all supporters. But positives have come from it. You know, dare I say, lessons have been learned to Miff's point, and we feel miles away. You know, in a very positive way from what we were at that moment in time, and with the fact that we're now talking about Kobayashi coming in in January, and as I say, that you know the various other names will start to come up, it does suggest that we're just in a far better place there, and that you know the planning's underway already for future windows. Absolutely, and I, I know listeners, watchers, if you fancy a laugh, just go back to episodes two yeah, about maybe twenty odd of the early podcast if you want to hear me basically nearly greeting every week. <laughs> um, it, it was a, it was a tough time, but. In, in many ways, I think Paddy makes an excellent point. The board get to get out of jail card with Rogers because mm-hmm. he managed to bring that element of professionalism to the squad that had been, I'd say, left to rot. Would be the great example to give. I think it was very obvious a guy like Collins would want to bring a certain standard in. Senior pros in the dressing room weren't very up Char- for that. Charlie McGrew, Chris Commons, you know yeah, those types of guys on. weren't yeah. up for that. There was a there was a chasm in the, in the dressing room. Colin Chasm Richards. Just a chasm. <laughs> and, um, That's bad. Then from that, Rogers, you know, look at who Rogers ushered out the door, early doors, tells you everything you need to know, brought the professionalism. I went back to rehabilitate Derek, Derek Boyata's Celtic career rather than go out and buy a centre half. Things like that tell you that mm. probably the money wasn't there, should have been there for him. Um, every Champions League campaign we near beat on at centre half, you know, th- those wee things mm-hmm. that you now look back on, you just thinking of the way Ange operates you just wouldn't have that going for would, would Ange ever play Cal McGregor left back you, yeah. don't, man, you know, don't don't bring that don't. up but that's, that's it aye, aye. That, that's how badly well, planned we, we were aye. you are having to do that yep. yeah but we're in a very different place in a very positive way from there, from there and long may that continue the final strand as I'd mentioned of the, the kind of three key areas off the park is of course the, the chief exec so Michael Nicholson is now the main man he took over on a temporary basis following Don McKay's Fleeting time in the role. Um, still a bit of a mystery, that one, to be honest with you. Uh, so Celtic confirmed just before Christmas last year that Michael Nicholson would be taking the role on a permanent basis. And the general consensus, James, amongst fans, is that you know, this one, by and large, is going pretty well. Just before I come to you for your kind of initial comments on that, I'm also just going to run through the, the financial headlines. So Celtic reported uh, financial figures just in September there, confirming a £6.1 million profit following the end of COVID restrictions, as well as an increase in player trading. This is in the back of a loss of £11.5 million in 2021. Revenue was up by 45.2%, going from £60.8 million to £88.2 million. And big money, of course, was brought in for the likes of Odson Edward, Chris Iyer and Ryan Christie. Michael Nicholson, James, seems to be a, a popular guy and a guy that's just cracking on with the job. Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I think he's... I'm not saying he's, he's lucky, but he's got fortune that he's come in at a time when change was... Essential. So there's a, a clean slate there. So he's come in. Let's just take Dominic out of the equation entirely. That just didn't happen. He's come in. New manager. Managers putting new structures in place. New scouting. The chief exec. Now he might end up as chairman. Lol. But he was out the building at that point, which is great for Nicholson to come in and do his own thing, Gantshot or otherwise. But just you know, it, it was his job to do what he wanted to do and needed to do. I think he's a kind of slow, steady operator. But he's clearly got ambition, you know, because he's doing things that Celtic haven't done for years. So it's not like he's doing the don't make any mistakes CEO guy, where it's just like slow and steady, but you don't spend a lot. He's he's 
shown real progress that's been essential at Celtic. Yeah, and I think he's 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 made some moves which which definitely back your comments up there. The fact that he's first and foremost backed Ange, you know, by going out, taking the the leap of faith to go and sign a, a Kyogo Furuhashi and then a further three Japanese players in January, that tells you that he believes in the manager and he's bought into that side of things. Then going out and making the other appointments that we've spoken about, McElhone, Mark Lowell, and various other behind-the-scenes appointments which we probably won't see or hear of. Paddy, I was going to say that the, the relationship between a CEO and a manager in modern football is probably the most important relationship at the club, and it seems that we've got a, a good fit there at the moment. It does. It, it really does, and I think... Um Kind of what we touched on earlier um, about you know the likes of some of the managers we've had in, it's have they really been the manager? Um, I think that's definitely been taken out of the equation with this relationship between uh, Postecoglou and and, and uh, Nicholson. I think for me, um, it's great to see that the investment that's happened in the team, oh, it, it was needed, a hundred percent, it was needed, and for that and that alone, he he was part of the old setup in a sense and. I'm still not happy with it. I'm still not happy with what we're left in that position. So keep doing what you're doing. Change my mind, absolutely. But I'm still, you know. I, I would say one thing in defence of the old regime, mm-hmm. there only was one person. No, true, you know I mean? true. But also I think that there's a big factor and I think with Don Mackay coming in and realising the mess that was probably there at Celtic, I think when he was trying to like ruffle a few feathers, he's been told it doesn't work like that, pal. So that's my, my worry on it, is basically, you know, we've still got some of those old faces still working at, at the club. Absolutely, I totally agree with uh, that. So Non-exec's been there for like 27 years and stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, so y- you've got to be cautious. I still, I'm very happy to see the investment in the team, and rightly so, it needed to happen. That's where I'm at. Yeah, so Paddy says, keep doing what you're doing, Michael Nicholson, but I've got an eye on you. Absolutely. <laughs> just, 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 just let it be known. <laughs> uh, what will be interesting is Celtic's AGM takes place this Friday, 4th of November, and there's always headlines that, that come out of that and there's always you know, speculation and different things. It'll be Michael Nicholson's first as permanent CEO and Celtic officially confirmed at the end of July this year that Ian Bankier would be stepping down as chairman after around about 10 years in a row. And if it would seem a certainty that former CEO and the aforementioned Peter Lowell is going to be appointed into that role, I'd be amazed if he's not uh, confirmed on Friday. What do you think of that? Um, I think I've... On record in a previous podcast has been a, a wee bit non-post about it. I, I, I don't. Um, I think you come to accept the fact that Mark Lowell's been appointed. Lowell's influence is never really going to be too far from from Celtic for as long as he's allowed to hang about. So you're as well making it official <laughs> and stick him in as chairman, so you can just confirm that. Um, disappointed to have been omitted for the Michael Nicholson chat. There, one thing I was want to raise on it is that I. People of a certain vintage will remember the Milky Bar Kid. He looks like the Milky Bar Kid has aged <laughs> to be, you know, CEO of a, of a prominent football club. You can see why we omitted you from that chat. If <laughs> <I was. laughs> yes, but I still feel it's a point worth being made. Yeah, and um, I, I, yeah, I, listen, Lawwell's hanging about. He may as well make it official because you know, even if he's not in his chairman, he's, he's got he's got to be doing stuff. He's got to be in the background. Yeah. He's. Alright, this, this is the thing, though. So if he's in his chairman, the, the, the danger is he, he puts his nose in where he's where it shouldn't be. Nicholson has to be left to do his job, and the chairman should be the ambassador with the brilliant contacts and work that law can do. This this is what remains to be seen. This is where it will make things come ahead. I think in in some way, but, so but the, danger, we don't need. the dangerous fan reaction, yes, and and how fans react to that—that that is the big danger. That's the thing. It'll, you know, at the moment, by and large. 
the garden's pretty rosy. We know we can do better in Europe, but domestically we're back on track. We've got a team we love, a manager we love, some backroom guys that we're, we're really quite happy with. And I suppose that's it's just the nature of Celtic. You know, there's the next big news, the next big drama is only around the corner, and, and Friday will be the you know the, the next chance to see how how fans respond to that kind of news, Paddy. Yeah, it, it will be, and you know I'm kind of going on what I'm saying there. I'd, I'd read the minutes from the the section chat with uh, with a few of the the, the guys at the, the the backroom team at Celtic and some of them involved with like, the security setup and stuff, and there wasn't really much. I don't know. They weren't listening to fans. They were listening to people that they're, they're worried about, and I think that that's uh, those that make most noise. That's yeah, it. yeah. Um, I think that's a bit of a concern. Wasn't much reasoning given to changes in the section and stuff like that. Um, people were bringing up as a as a scope for like other areas of the stadium to receive the standing section, and I think it's basically just well, if you, if we cam it down here, then maybe. But. There wasn't much reason as to give into what, what do you mean by calm it down? Mm. You know, so you know. Oh, I, they know, they know, but yeah. still I just thought that you know, we can't sit in our hands with things like that. That's just these people pay pay their season ticket money like everyone else. Yeah. I mean just to round off that chat, Muff, so we'll keep a very close eye on, on Friday's AGM and, and the headlines that come from that. But generally speaking, what's your kind of final notes on where we find ourselves off the park? Good but room for improvement or or something different from that? Overall, I'm, I'm I'm happy. Um, I think one one theme that that's recurring that we've debated a good few times on here is is one around youth development and a pathway. To the the first team it would it would be my my hope that in, in the coming years there will regularly be a couple of youth players being added to the, the squad with, with a genuine view to them playing a part in the team rather than it just being done on a sort of ad hoc basis as it, it seems to be. Um, we really need that part of a sustainable model going forward is we need to bring through these homegrown players that we can then sell on to reinvest in the team because that's you know that, that that's the model. But overall, I just feel it's a great time to be a Celtic fan. The the the, the foundations have have been built. The 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 Lawwell or the potential of the Lawwell Circus aside, I feel that, that we've got really solid foundations to build on. And I think the work that Ange has done, the, the key thing is you've brought in a a firefighter that's managed to turn the club around so quickly in such a short space of time that it's now given us a platform to build whilst we're in front when really we thought we would be doing this still chasing yeah. mm. so it's, it's a huge mindset shift for the club and I, I just think it's so important that, that we make the most of it because we've been given a great opportunity to build another 10 years of success Yeah and I think that's a really positive way to finish, finish off that you know there's things are not far from perfect, but they're not perfect, but there's there's definitely scope for improvement. And it looks like Celtic are heading generally in the right direction there. Interesting you pick up on the Youth Academy myth and the, the player pathway. Definitely something we'll be spending some time on in the, the weeks and months ahead, so I'll look forward to that chat. But that rounds things off there, lads, in terms of the on and off. I don't know if we've answered the question or not um, in terms of where and what we need to do, but it's a, it's a very involved and very kind of detailed discussion and hopefully we've, we've done it justice with some of the, the chat there. Moving on, uh, we'll move on and we'll make it a wee bit lighter, Miff, as we head into the, the mystery silk for this week. James nailed it last week with Tommy Johnson. Do you think he was looking at my notes, Miff? He was. Yeah, I'm quite sure he was looking at my I notes. I can't even read your screen if I wanted to. That, that, that's what <laughs> you know a guy I mean? looking at my notes would say. Uh, so Glasses anyway. ready and everything. <laughs> um, so with James getting that one right last week with Tommy Johnston, it makes it one correct answer for all three of you, I think. Did you get Samaras and Samaras. Nakamura? Aye, one way around. Aye. So it's uh, it's all we play for, lads, this week. It's very <laughs> exciting times. Paddy, you ready for this week's always, mystery self? Always, always, always. Okay, so first up, clue number one. I played in the game where Roy Keane made his Celtic debut. 
Dion Dublin. Do you know what game that was? Falkirk. Falkirk. No. No. Or Clyde. Oh, Clyde. Clyde. Uh, yeah. Clyde. So it was Clyde in the Scottish Cup, January 2006, Clyde. a 2 1 defeat. Dewey. Dewey, yeah. That's what I was going for. Magic Draftsy. Poker face, lads, I can't give it away. No. Clue number two. How do we know for later? Clue number two. I don't. I was born in 1967. Do you want Dublin? Yeah, that'd make him 55. Hope so. Uh, Too much silence, Smith, as a podcast. Clue number three. This is going to blow your Dion Dublin theory out the water. I signed for Celtic from Aberdeen, and when I left Celtic, I rejoined Aberdeen. Oh. It's a good one, isn't it? Aye, aye, aye. Good. aye, aye. Took, aye. took me all afternoon. Aye, aye. I like that. Get a fourth clue. So I don't know if you've any last guesses oh, yeah. you'd like to throw in the mix. Uh, uh, no, not Barry Rocks, no. No, no. no. I think I've got you, lads. Do, do, do. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> Barry Robson. <laughs> um, some of the folks have been joining on the socials on Twitter, etc., and Saying I've been making it too easy, Paddy. So uh, ah, not anymore, eh? So, so that's how we show them. We'll, that way. we'll share this in the socials. But if you think you know the answer, tweet it to us at Celt Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Celt. Um, generally speaking, I was going to say let us know if you're finding these too easy, and we can always ramp it up a bit. But I think uh, this is a good one. I'll tell you lads the answer at the end of the show. So I'm going to think. Final section. Don't even bother coming to me. Just I go know. to the two. Final section. Each week is part of the new format here on the weekly show. One of the team will pick out something of interest that they've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners. This week, Paddy's up for that. So Paddy, what have you got for us? Um, I'm still trying to get that answer. So am I. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't know. let it get to you, Liz. Uh, it's, it's not getting to me. I found this actually a few weeks ago. Um, just basically seen a link. I think it was retweeted by Dortmund. Um, they were covering, basically talking to some of the players that were part of the... 1997 uh, Champions League winning team and one of them was obviously Paul Lambert an incredible player for us here at Celtic um, but it's a little it's like a 10 11 minute YouTube video of him and just we'll obviously put the link up in the socials it's a great great watch it's really really good you kind of just get an insight of you know him coming from Motherwell and, and obviously joining Dortmund what his time was like there and, and what it was all about with the fans and just everything that he, he learned about the club and what it meant, especially to to its supporters. And then he talks about the move to Celtic. Um, so it's a great insight to what all of that was about. And we were talking earlier on about players that maybe just came in and just aren't at the level required. And he said that um, he played out his skin one of the games, again, um, one of his first or second games for them. And after it, he said he'd never felt as tired in his life. But you get man in a match and you get great recognition for it. And he says, God, I'm going to have to do this every yeah. week. Yeah. Um, but they loved him over there. Right, great, yeah. great. And he was he was definitely a player who was who was ready. Yeah. You know, European Cup winner, Champions League winner at that time. How how more ready can you be? I watched the clip as well, Paddy. Thanks for sharing it. And I, as I say, I'll share it in the show notes and the socials. I watched it my fan between creating those clues for Mr. Excel. Busy afternoon for me. Some key stats on Lambert. So he signed for Dortmund under freedom of contract from Motherwell in the summer of 96. Ten months later, he's picking up the European Cup. Uh, he assisted one of the goals for Karl Heinz Riedler and a 3 1 win over Juventus, where he man marked Zinedine Zidane, no less, out of the game. He was the first British player to win the trophy with a, a non UK team, so there's a stat. And he then he didn't stay that long, I think 15, 16 months before signing for Wim Janssen Celtic in 1997. He's probably most famous in terms of on field stuff for scoring that 25 yard screamer in the New Year's Derby by Rangers in January 1998. He also captained Celtic against Porto in that UEFA Cup final in Seville in 2003. And he then left in 2005 to join Livy as manager 
and sometimes player. I think he played half a dozen games for him. My fond memories of Paul Lambert at Celtic. Absolutely loved him. Absolutely loved him. Great player and one of the men that, that helped turn the tide. Yeah. However, I need to ask you a question about the mystery Celt. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Was the mystery Celt point for Celtic the day that Roy Keane? That, no, that's, that's what I was thinking he's at. You need to tell me. Wouldn't it be fair to give Euros clues? No, you need to tell me. You need to tell me. No, I, I'm <laughs> There's not. no way he was. Nah. Can't, he, he's why, he, age wouldn't fit. why is there no way he was? He'd be too old. Okay. He wasn't playing for Celtic on the day. <sighs> uh, James, back to Paul Lambert. Myth's thrown me. So uh, it's, actually, it's actually called the Mystery Clyde player. Uh-huh. Famous, famous, famous Celtic <laughs> player. Uh, fan of Paul Lambert during his time? Hugely. That Myth's last point on him is, is, is what I have for Lambert. Turned the tide put us back where we belonged. Um, it just, he was, and I have to kind of mention him, don't, I'm not a big fan of him, but him and Burley together, outstanding. Uh, yeah, I don't like Craig Burley. No. Um, but we'll link to that in a view, as I mentioned, in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. Paddy, thanks for the recommendation. It's a good watch about a player who, as you lads say, played a big, big part in stopping the 10, and he also lifted four leagues, four Scottish Cups, and two League Cups for Celtic. So just as we head into the, the very final section of the show, a couple of wee nuggets of information for this week. Celtic head to the Bernabeu, of course, to play Madrid. Uh, for the first time since we faced them in a European quarter final in March 1980. <laughs> Don't say it. A reminder, a reminder that the game on Wednesday night is a 5.45 kickoff for folks. We lost the last one in the Bernabeu 3 0, having won the first leg 2 0 at Celtic Park, thanks to goals from Johnny Doyle and George McCluskey. Uh, interesting one, um, and I think it's a bit of history for Celtic on Wednesday night. French referee Stephanie Frappart takes charge of the game, having made history as the first female ref to take charge of a men's Champions League game back in December 2020, so we'll see how that goes. She'll also be one of the refs at the World Cup in Qatar next month, and by all accounts is one of the best refs about, so hopefully she has a good game on the night. And back to domestic stuff, league-wise we played Dundee United at Celtic Park on Saturday, and we've now won six domestic games in the bounce, following that surprise 2-0 defeat by St Myrna in mid-September. Scoring 21 goals in the process. Paddy, four points clear at the top of the table. A wee midweek friendly against Real Madrid to look forward to. What's not to love? Your final thoughts for the week? Um, we're saying friendly. Two and a half million up for grabs and mm-hmm. some coefficient points. So let's just go and go for it, man. Why not? We've, we deserve something out of this group. So good luck to the guys. But aye, it's been great watching us so far. Nice one. Um, James, you'll be pleased, I'm sure, how we've picked up domestically after the St Martin game. Yeah, then it was important that we got back on track there. You know, just that that September interruption, you know, did did affect us. So it was just good to just blow that away. And they're back and they're banging in goals. So yeah, d- delighted how professionally they've dealt with that. Yeah, Miff, there's a suggestion that we shouldn't play Greg Taylor against Madrid in case they try and sign him. What's your thoughts? Bad bit for that. Eh? If uh, listen, I think thoughts are go there, give it a go. No fresh injuries. See how we go. You've got the mystery set, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. We can beep it out. Who have you got? <laughs> Correct. It's a cracker, isn't it? <laughs> Aye, you've done well there. Uh, the, the question took, was a wee bit... It took me, Aye. obviously, being a natural uh, Colombo. Just one more question. That the question me. was a wee bit... Nothing, James, it was completely factual. Was no, I was not, not... Listen, listen. Deception. Well done. Well done. Well done. Thank you, man. And the reason I was pointing at both of was the colour coordination tonight, lads. It's nice. Love it. It's nice. Love it. So that's all for another episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. We'd love to hear what you think of the new format, so please let us know on Twitter or you can email me directly at tino at theceltichange.com with any thoughts or comments. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes a big difference to what we are doing. 
As always, we'll have our pre and post match content for subscribers on the Celtic Exchange Plus this week for the games against Madrid and Dundee United. So remember to visit the celticexchange.supercast.com to get signed up for that. But in the meantime, from myself, Paddy, James, and Murph, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again very soon. Network.